Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. An Erio's original. I was born with a special gift. The ability to mentally transform any situation into the worst case scenario in my own brain. My therapist calls my gift catastrophizing. And that's why I'm uniquely qualified to scrutinize and analyze history's greatest disasters and find out who's to blame. They say history repeats itself. Not on my watch. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith. And I am The Alarmist. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to The Alarmist, a comedy podcast where we talk about history's greatest tragedies and figure out who's to blame. Today we're discussing the poisonous murders of Mary Ann Cotton. Here's what you need to know. When Mary Ann Robson was born in the small English village of Low Moorsley on October 31st, 1832, no one could have predicted she would grow up to become England's first serial killer. Today she is known as Marianne Cotton, though throughout her life she assumed a new surname with each of her four marriages. At the age of nearly 20, she married her first husband, William Mowbray, a colliery worker. Legend has it that Marianne gave birth to eight or nine children while married to Mowbray, 
though only four of them were ever registered. Two of those four, Margaret Jane and John Robert William, died in very early childhood. Then her husband William became ill and died in 1865 at the age of 39, followed by the death of one of their two remaining daughters. William and his children were notably insured, and it was Cotton who collected upon their deaths. Marianne sent her last living child, Isabella, to live with her mother and went to work as a nurse. There, she met George Ward, who became her second husband. Within a year of their marriage, Ward was dead. Her third husband was James Robinson, a widower with five kids of his own. In 1867, prior to their marriage, two of Robinson's children became ill and died. Mary Ann's own mother had recently died while in her care, as did her daughter Isabella. Still, Robinson buried his own suspicions and married Mary Ann, who was now pregnant with his child. Their baby girl died only a few months after her birth. Later that year, Mary Ann gave birth to another son, George. When Robinson discovered, however, that she had raided his savings account and forced his children to pawn valuables, he threw her out and kept custody of George. She went on to marry her fourth and final husband, another recent widower, Frederick Cotton, in 1870, pregnant once again with what Frederick presumed was his child. Rumors swirled around town that Marianne was having an affair with another widower, Joseph Natris, someone she had taken up with years prior. Regardless, Frederick's fate was sealed. He died in September of 1871, as did his older son and his baby son with Marianne. Shocker, Marianne became pregnant yet again by her now living lover, Joseph Natris. And you guessed it, Joseph was dead within a year, along with Marianne's last living stepson, Charles Edward Cotton. While most people accepted natural causes as a reason for these deaths, one villager by the name of Thomas Riley was certain that Charles Edward's cause of death was not natural at all. Riley pushed for answers, and eventually an autopsy revealed the shocking truth that there was evidence of arsenic in Charles Edward's body. Marianne was arrested, and the bodies of Joseph Natris, Frederick Cotton, Frederick Cotton Jr., and Robert Cotton were exhumed for evaluation. All four were confirmed to contain traces of arsenic as well. Marianne Cotton was tried and convicted of murdering her stepson, Charles Edward. Her sentence was death by hanging, though she maintained her innocence until the bitter end. On March 24, 1873, for three full minutes, Marianne Cotton, who allegedly took several lives, struggled in vain to save her own. Fun Facts, a.k.a. Death Stats Though there are discrepancies over the total number of alleged victims, it is estimated that Marianne Cotton killed between 14 and 21 people. Cotton was convicted of murdering her fourth husband's son, Charles Edward Cotton, and sentenced to death on March 24, 1873. She was 40 years old. Marianne Cotton became known as Britain's first serial killer, with an estimated 21 victims, including 11 of her 13 children, 
three of four husbands, one lover, and her own mother. With us today, we have producer Clayton Early. Hello. Fact checker Chris Smith. Hi. And our very special guest is friend and actor Aubrey Dollar. Hi, Aubrey. Hi, Hi. how's it going? (laughs) Hi, we are so excited to have you on for such a terrible Mm -hmm. tragedy. Yes, I was kind of curious why I was the guest for this particular episode, but flattered all the same. Right. You know why I think you popped into mind? I think you would play a really great Mary Ann Cotton. Mm. Nice. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. you. Yeah. Ins- why? So she has an insidious quality? There, no, no. Opposite. I think she's very unsuspecting. Exactly. But I think she's got the acting chops to pull it off. Wow. Oh, that's kind. I thought maybe it was because I am a mother and it would take a mother (laughs) to understand (laughs) killing a child. Well, we're going to tap into that too. Um, Yeah, yeah. yeah. Please feel free. Let's unpack that on that podcast today. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Aubrey, we like to start off the show by asking our guest. What is something that is recently alarming you? What is something that is keeping you up at night these days? God, I mean, other than climate change and mm-hmm. the world mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. um, what is what is alarming me? Mm-hmm. I suppose my child is he's four and he started asking a lot of questions about the inside of a body mm-hmm. and like wanting to see what the inside of a body looks like. Like uh, Lucas, my husband, maybe was supposed to have his appendix out. He did not. But mm. But Arlo's uh, comment about that was he wished he could be there to see what the inside of his body looked like. <laughs> oh, my so goodness. It's just sort of curious, curiosity, you know, but it's it's been a little alarming to me. I've, I've thought about it. You know? What do you do? Do you show him pictures or do you, do you even go there? Yeah, I got him for Christmas. I got him like a clear uh, human Liver? with all of the oh. organs you can oh. put in and take out. Oh, that's Thank cool. You. Don't let him listen to this before Christmas because then you'll ruin the surprise. (laughs) That's true. Yeah. He's a regular listener, too. (laughs) Yes. This is an all ages podcast. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Starting from the womb, actually, we encourage it. Um, Yeah. uh, yeah. Uh, I was going to say you should also buy him the game Operation. That was you know I thought about that yeah I think Mm -hmm. I I think I will and they make all kinds of different operations now there's like Paw Patrol operation oh wow yeah well there you go maybe you you have a little doctor on your hands hopefully just not an actor and we'll be good fingers crossed (laughs) yeah fingers crossed because he's gonna have to make a lot of money for all of us all of your friends really yeah exactly (laughs) and there there really is no more powerful. instrument in the world and the actor's heart which i believe is mm. is <laughs> if you were to see it it would like blind you sort of like looking at the sun mm-hmm. that's um, why he wants to see aubrey's and that's Lucas's. right maybe it's what's yeah. inside he wants to see it because you know it's right. just for yeah. our listeners uh, uh lucas kavner is aubrey's husband and he was on our cecil the lion episode yeah. uh very popular uh very very uh popular tragedy. Go listen to that and see if you think that they're compatible. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> and write in. And write let in, us know. Write in your answers. <laughs> <laughs> Please do. <laughs> um, so, you know, I'll tell you who wasn't compatible. Mm-hmm. Marianne Cotton and all of her husbands. Excellent transition. Thank you so nice. much. I was, Good. I, you it just it. came to me. It just came to me. Um, so many, she, you know, the only one who really got away with living was her third husband. And he didn't leave, you know, he wasn't on, he didn't go on unscathed because he did lose children um, to Marianne uh, Cotton. They believe, uh, actually, it was. Charles was his No, am I getting this wrong? No. Charles was Mr. Cotton's son. Okay, so mm-hmm. he was the fourth husband's son. Um but the third husband found out she was stealing from him and mm-hmm. kicked her out before she could get to I guess murdering him. I mean it would have would have eventually happened. Um now there's a lot of names, a lot of things to keep track of yeah. during this episode. Um, and the timeline kind of goes back and forth because sometimes the children who die come after the husband. The relationship, the term mm-hmm. of the relationship. After the term of the relationship, yeah. So, so she goes I, back and kills those. Well, well they're with oh, she's her. she's still looking after them, I yeah. see. Yeah. Okay, okay, right. Yeah. Right. It probably has to do with like proximity, right? Like the people who are around her all the time are going to die sooner than the ones that she has less time with to poison. That would, I guess. You the- seem, you seem like you, you know how to poison people. Like <laughs> I'm more suspicious of you now that I am. How are you guys Robert. feeling down in Puerto Rico? You're feeling better. <laughs> yeah, we did need some yeah, time. Yeah, weird. Uh, the diarrhea away. stopped, and <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, oh, interesting. Boy. Let's start off by doing uh, something unprecedented here at the Alarmist. Let's put uh, Marianne Cotton, the actual murderer, up on the board first. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> Aubrey, we sometimes forget to do that here. <laughs> Ah, great. She did maintain her innocence, though. So, you know, it's questionable. Correct. This is why Aubrey would make a great Marianne Cotton, because she's already <laughs> defending her. Exactly. She's she's embodying the She the really character. likes this character. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's getting behind her. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, now, uh, this is regarding her second husband, George Ward. And uh, this is from Dark Angel. Dr. Malling reported that Ward was beginning to display signs of paralyzation in his hands and feet. Arsenic, given in small doses, can produce a condition characterized by a loss of strength, confusion, and paralysis. His death certificate stated his occupation as an engine driver in a steam tug, a very low-status job. All in all, he was not what Marianne had aspired to in a husband. The circumstances were ripe for disposing of such a liability if the if that was how Marianne wanted to resolve the situation, and she had good access to poisoning at the infirmary. This is where she worked. Right. Um, Now, this is regarding the deaths of the children, James, Elizabeth, and Isabella. This is uh, from the first husband. James Robinson, Mary Ann's... Oh, sorry. Third. Uh, James Robinson, Mary Ann's third husband at the time of her trial, said... 
I'm convinced that my children were poisoned. I suspected it at the time, but I did not want my mind to dwell on the subject. They were healthy and strong and only ill a few days before they died. Anytime she gave them anything, they vomited and were sick and purged. Dr. Shaw, describing the children's condition, said, They rolled about on the bed. They foamed at the mouth. When given a drink of water, a hand basin had to be ready, so they wretched it up. Mm. Wretched it up. Just, I can't imagine poisoning a child. Oh, God. Right. Yeah, the the four husbands, it it almost feels understandable in a way. (laughs) (laughs) Marriage poisoning is more acceptable than child poisoning. Yeah. Sure. Times yeah. a thousand, I think. And yeah. these are, are little children. They're, you know, three years old. Some of them are Ugh. barely a year old. Um, to, to sit there and watch them be sick, because it's not just like, oops, you know, you gave them arsenic and they suddenly died, right? It's a, a it, it would take days. Mm. Um, yeah. And you're just watching them and knowing mm-hmm. that you did that to them it takes a very like a callous human being. Oh, totally. I yes. mean, a, a totally heartless. Yeah. And that she continued to get pregnant after that. Mm. Also, yes. Well, it's like, is it? A, well, what what really? Uh, what I wonder is like, is because you know, initially she had the first husband and the kids, and she collected the insurance money. Was it just all just like a, a money thing? Or really, like, is it a combination of a, a true psychopath, like a serial killer who just wanted money to survive? Like, why? Why was she doing this to children? Right. right. Do well, you get more insurance money the more children who die? You did, but here's the thing: it wasn't that much in, insurance money. Right. The children were under the insurance, and I think that her having a child. Um, ha- played into how she got people to get mar- these men to marry her. So I think most of the time she was pregnant before they got married. It was like a way of controlling, having control over the situation or something, or right, right, or just like really just being like, okay, I'm pregnant, so we have to right. get married. Right, right. but didn't you know, she have like eight children with her first husband? I mean, that, that's that is the weird thing, uh, Aubrey, because they were married for like twelve years. Yeah. There must have been some kind of breaking point. I was going to say, maybe the eight children. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My, my mom's, my grandma, my mom's mother uh, had eight kids and <gasps> she was mad a lot. I didn't know her very well, but my mom said she was an angry lady. What? You can't be mentally okay and take care. I mean, I know this was like the day when kids were your farm workers and it wasn't yeah. modern. Still. <laughs> you didn't actually watch them. You put them to work. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Very different, very different. Um, now that I'm thinking of it, my grandma was one of 11 and my grandpa was one wow. of 12. That is crazy. That's why we have so much family in Puerto yeah. Rico. That's why when uh, in the town that we're from, you have to ask people's last name because you don't want to fall in love with a cousin or something mm, like that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Just even being pregnant that many times. Oh bl- it blows. I mean, it's it's a task. Yes. It tears up your body. Mm. You know, I did it once and that's the only time that I will do that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but like be pregnant again and again for decades of your life. I yeah. don't. Chris, could you find out how many kids she had total? Because I mean, she was pregnant for many years. And while you're doing that, going back to something we were talking about, the money, um, 
this is uh, regarding the death of Joseph Natras. And like, was it financially, like, did she do it on purpose for the money? Regarding the death of Joseph Natras, which was her lover, Marianne benefited financially from the death of Joseph Natras. She received money from a Shilden friendly burial society, about 15 pounds, as well as clothing and a decent watch to the value of 30 pounds. So, let, let me continue just, and, and we'll come back to the, the whole money insurance thing. Um, this is regarding the death of stepchild, Charles Edward Cotton. Dark Angel says, the, the deaths of Joseph Natras and Robert Cotton leave Marianne with one stepchild, Charles Edward, who she wanted to commit to the workhouse. Within days of her request being refused, the boy was taken ill and died. Now, I was like, what is a workhouse? Workhouses were where uh, poor people who had no job or home lived. They earned their keep by doing jobs in the workhouse. Also in the workhouse were orphaned children without parents and abandoned children, the physically and mentally sick, the disabled, elderly, and unmarried mothers. So she, when she went, she called upon this, um, I think it was a government <clears throat> worker, and said, I want you to take this child to the workhouse. And he was like, okay, but like, you go with him as well. And she's like, oh no, I wouldn't, I'm not going to go to the workhouse, just take him. Because it was a, a, it was not a desirable place to go. And apparently the man was like, well, this kid has a perfectly fine home. He can stay with you. Why would you send him to the workhouse? Right? And she's like, okay, fine. And then she killed him. Hmm. He should have gone to the workhouse. If he knew any better, he would have gone there. God. Maybe it was an act of mercy on her part. Like mm. she kind of liked that one. Right. Oh, sure. He um, did last the longest. She had 13 kids. Was 13. The number total. That's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. That is a lot of kids. She died when she was 40, I believe. So, <laughs> I mean, so do like the math. your 20s. Yeah. Your last 20 years of your life are just childbearing. Yeah. <laughs> it takes wow. 10 months. That's, that's some time yeah. in between. But like basically, like you're probably more pregnant than not yeah yeah and you're, you're nursing the whole time right. i think i mean now the, yeah no i was just gonna kind of lean towards something of just the fact that it happened over and over there I, you wonder if there is some kind of does she derive pleasure out of this did she did she you know get mm-hmm. in the habit of it get in the swing of it and sort of start to in in a psychopathic uh-huh. way derive some sort of pleasure out of this process i i think it, so i was it, it, i was gonna you know, <laughs> yeah well i was just sort of lead, leading you to the next kind of uh yeah well before we section. even go there i just want to say the counter argument which i'm sure aubrey will agree with because she's working on this role <laughs> already huge, huge marianne cotton fan <laughs> This one is uh, Martin Colony says, uh, it is to be remembered that Marianne was only convicted of one murder. Although Marianne was uh, remained for the murders of Natris, Frederick Jr. and Robert Robson, these cases were not heard in court and therefore evidence was never tested. As for all the others, there's absolutely no shred of evidence produced to substantiate a case against her. In that period, many things were black or white in legal terms. Information was not as easily accessible as it is in our Internet age. Then people did not have the knowledge and resources that we have in our po- uh, in our police and legal system today. To judge her then is difficult. History has blackened her name, and she never gets a sympathetic hearing. 
weren't weren't several bodies exhumed and also arsenic was found in them yes after were. her fourth husband died there's a villager thomas riley i think who was like well after, it, it was the it was charles the child the the kid she was trying to send to the workforce who was her stepson it wasn't even her oh. her um her uh she had not birthed the son um she after he died okay this i'll I'll read this to you because i i think it's really interesting so this is according to (laughs) murderpedia.org we have one that is called that only the only the finest high quality researchers and research organizations do we interact with here we pay top dollar it's a dot org it's it's i'm curious what kind of ads you get after visiting that website You don't get any. I'm sorry. (laughs) Arsenic? uh, Well, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm on a list now. Like, I'm I'm definitely (laughs) on some kind of list. Yeah, they're watching you for sure. Yeah. Um, So uh, this is according to that website, Murderpedia. In late spring of uh, 1872, Marianne sent Charles. So this is how it all went down. Marianne sends Charles to a local chemist to purchase a small quantity of arsenic. The chemist refused to sell the poison to anyone under the age of 21, as was the law. Undeterred, Marianne asked a neighbor to purchase the substance, and in July, Charles died of gastric fever. But Marianne had uh, either been in the in West Auckland area for too long, or the neighbors were readily skeptical because suspicions were immediately aroused in neighbors and physicians. The first person that Marianne told about Charles's death, death was Thomas Riley, a minor government work official that she had consulted previously about the possibility of sending Charles into a workhouse. This is the guy who rings right. the alarm. Um, Riley said that it would only be possible if she went with him, which she declined. And she told Riley that the boy was, quote, in the way of a marriage with quick manning. So uh, and predicted that, quote, I won't be troubled long. He'll go like all the rest of the Cotton family. I mean, <laughs> she's really not doing uh, a good job of covering her tracks. Like she's having somebody else buy the poison. She's, you know, talking to the guy. That, oh, that kid that I tried to have you removed from me. Yeah, he's dead now. Like, yeah, she's very she confident. Wanted, like she wanted to be caught. Do we know, was this all in the same town or was she sort of moving towns between marriages? She was moving around a little bit. Chris, perhaps you can confirm. Good but yes, her. she there there was some movement. But okay. at this point she was she was kind of getting a bad reputation in this small town. Um and the, the this guy, Riley, said that the boy apparently completed it looked completely healthy. And so he was surprised when Mary Ann this is the what the wild part to me. He's surprised when Marianne stops him only five days later to say that young Charles had died. First of all, five days later, she, he's dead, right? He, he, she asks about sending him away. She can't do it, so she kills him. That, that is a red flag. Mm-hmm. And number two, the fact that she would like stop the guy and be like, hey, man, by the way, Charles is dead, just so you know. Well, this yeah. is like, uh, you know... They say serial killers are very careful at first, and then they kind of start craving the attention, and they want that kind of to be trailed, and almost like this desire to be close to being caught. Like, I wonder if there's some psychology there. Like, she's killed so many people at this time that she's kind of taking big risks because she kind of wants to be exposed. Right. Right. 
Is that yeah. part of it? Well, let's put up on the board getting away with it once. This is what I, I kind of came up with, but sure. we can also workshop this <laughs> mm-hmm. um, because it plays into this. And this is according to Deborah Blum, uh, uh, who says in Wire, and Deborah is going to be our, our guest expert. So we're excited to speak with her uh, she in the aftermath. She specializes in the uh, yeah, poisons. Poisoning. Poisoners. Um, so she said. Arsenic forensic chemist Rudolf Witthaus noted in ni- of 19th century crime statistics has been in almost every instance the agent used. Oh, am I missing a word here? Arsenic. Yes. Arsenic has been in almost every instant the agent used by those who, having succeeded in a first attempt at secret poisoning, have seemed to develop a lust for murder and have continued to add to their victims Mm. until their very number has aroused suspicion and led to detection. And that pattern would continue until the Marsh test was so refined that the ability to detect a bare whisper of arsenic in, in a corpse so well that the poison lost its homicidal charm. So I think she's just she what what she's talking about is like it's like they got a you know it was such a good right, poison right the means with which you know the 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 way in which she was murdering these people was it was it's almost like I don't know I'm trying to think of a, a comparison but it's almost like when you get a really good tennis racket it's like you just want to use it more often <laughs> yeah just like that go out there and smash them both <laughs> murdering them providing for them too because it was probably in things that she cooked. Oh, right. yes. that's, that's good. That's that's a better point. That's malicious, right? Like that's. I mean, it feels like there obviously aren't as many female serial killers as male serial killers, and you, you would think women kill with intention, sort of more than the random high, and mm-hmm. that it was all her family members. I don't know. I I was sort of wondering just now if she obviously she had mental issues herself, but maybe in murdering her children, she wanted to save them from her genetic destiny or wow mm. wow really that's, taking the side of this character i, know. Oh, I was gonna say that's co- very uh compassionate of you Super. <laughs> just searching for a reason besides sure. psychopath i feel like we should um just draw attention to our recent episode about lizzie borden in which they claim that she couldn't have done the murders with an axe because only a man could like wield an axe and it was it was considered like women killed with poison because that was the more sophisticated way to do it and how um it's kind of fun to talk about marianne cotton who really embraced the poison appears it's a cleaner way to kill i guess yeah it it covers your tracks it's kind of like smart she's being smart should we put up the power of arsenic i mean that that seemed to be what deborah was getting at with her quote it was like it's such a great way to kill people and the popularity and availability of what they called it was literally called inheritance powder. So <laughs> I think Aubrey's oh. looking at me like, oh. <laughs> hmm. Um, hmm. Again, this is uh, Deborah Blum. An, an analysis of 19th century crime statistics by the American forensic chemist Rudolf Witthaus of Columbia University found that arsenic alone accounted for about 40% of poison homicides in Europe from about 1835 and 1880. At at the time, poison was astonishingly easy to acquire. It was used in tonics, cosmetics, 
to color everything from wallpaper to jewelry as the lethal agent in flypapers and rat poisons. In the 19th century, arsenic, specifically arsenic trioxide, also called white arsenic, was used so often that its nickname was the inheritance powder. That began to change in the mid-19th century after chemists, notably a determined British scientist named James Marsh, learned to detect it in a corpse. Cotton was hanged, in fact, in part due to the the forensic evidence of the Marsh test. So there was like a, I guess, an arsenic, um, uh, like, glory period. uh, Well, they, they had it in, like, cosmetics, you said? Did you yeah. read that? Or I read that somewhere. I mean, this is yeah. kind of going back to what we just talked about in our previous episode, too. It's like crazy, like the radium from the radium girls, like crazy right. that we just put these poisons yeah. in cosmetics as like a health thing. And what? Mm-hmm. And again, it makes you wonder what they have in this, in this stuff today. Sure. You know, right. What are we consuming now that's slowly killing us? It's microplastics. That's yeah, what it is. It, it, it's not going to be in the food. It's going to be in the it's in in, clothes and, and all that stuff, disposable goods. And it's like getting in the ocean. It's more, it's a bit more insidious. And like, you know, the EPA or whoever is in charge of keeping an eye on that is just sort of like shrugging it off because it's just a, such a massive industry. But it's, I digress. <laughs> It's intense here in California because I think there's a there's a different California law where they're required to disclose like certain materials or chemicals or products right. that were used. So you, I feel like you see it all the time. You get like a new pillow from the store and it's like, you might die from this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's $59.99 and it's yeah. cheaper than the other ones you and can you'll, buy. You'll die slower than arsenic. <laughs> as long as we're dying a little you bit slower. Yeah, than... you still got a good 20 years. Don't worry yeah. about it. Oh, gosh. Um, did we put up divorce laws like or difficult not. divorce laws? Because I think that this had something to do with the fact that she kept killing her husbands. You thought right? she, you think she wanted out or do you think that was just to yeah. get some cash? Yeah. Well, women get out of a marriage then, right? Yeah. Ooh. I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I I think there's got to be something well, to that, put right? The, put it up on the board. If nothing else, if not, if you know, Mary Cotton wasn't, you know, I mean, if it was divorce, she was after, you know, I, why would she keep getting married? But right, I guess that's true. I don't know if it, 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 the workhouse. Like you had to be married as a woman then. If the only way you mm. could, you know, yeah, have a home. yeah. Um. But let, let's talk about the uh, the rise of life insurance industry. Mm. This is uh, according to Dark Angel. In the middle third of the century, the temptation to poison underwent a growth spurt stimulated by the rise of the insurance industry. The first life insurance company organized along modern lines was founded in London in 1762. By 1835, over 30 new ones had been launched. One had to destroy the insured life without being detected. And for that purpose, poison was ideal. Unlike the bullet to the head or knife to the gut, poison produced a death that could pass off as natural. Cotton was the undisputed champion of the game of murder for insurance money. In every case, death was diagnosed as some form of gastric complaint. And in nearly every case, Cotton was the beneficiary of an insurance policy. One of the uninsured was the fiance, but he paid off in his own way, having been charmed into writing a will that left her all of his possessions. Mm. 
There was also a fourth husband, but he escaped the other's fate when Cotton left him after he declined to be insured. Oh, so th- I guess that was another point of contention why he left. Anybody, anytime your spouse is like, God, we got to get around to getting you some <laughs> some really good, really li- good. life insurance. Have you, have you thought about I've... bumping up your life insurance? I feel well, like... Why is Clayton laughing? Because I feel because like I've been like having Mike that conversation with Mike recently. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've God. yelled at him a lot. Careful, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> we have four dogs, okay? Well, yes. <laughs> Who's going to care for the dogs? Who's going to care well, for the dogs? <laughs> it's really important, and especially, Aubrey, ki- uh, people with kids. I mean, you have to have all your ducks in a row when it comes to like life insurance and stuff like that. You just have to. It's like... Anytime you, but, but, you know, you just got to watch your spouse, like when they're talking about it, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. What's their attitude? Like, are they really body language? (laughs) Is there a sense of urgency? Like how soon do you need to get it? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) If they keep putting it off, that's probably a good sign. (laughs) Yeah. But also a bad sign because you won't have it if something happens. I also think that, uh, you know, I sometimes think about it in terms of market volatility, right? My mm-hmm. brother, Steve, used to be working bond trading or something. And he would always talk about the best time for him was when the market was really volatile. So he could take advantage of it because he knew. So I feel like, go with me here for a second. Mm-hmm. Arsenic was really potent, but also really hard to detect at this point. And I feel like she had a sort of, awareness of that so she was aware that there was this window of opportunity where people weren't catching on to these arsenic killings and Mm. perhaps they would one day and they eventually did but i don't know if there's something to that or how we would categorize that she was a gambler maybe yeah well and things like infant mortality and child mortality rates were much higher than now so Mm -hmm. you died all the time you know it was normal i don't think people looked right Yes, exactly. Yeah, and I, I think let's let's put up natural causes just in case, right? And 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 we'll <laughs> wait. And this kind of natural causes is to blame for Marianne Cotton. <laughs> no, well, for the, for the deaths, death. for the deaths, oh, the, okay. the children were natural causes. Some, <laughs> sure, some sure. of them were. Basically, if you right? have thirteen kids, then some of them are going to die. Mm-hmm. I'm that with time, you. I'm with you, are, Yes, yeah. So this is uh, Martin Connolly. Uh, says, in in my researching Marianne Cotton, I have moved from thinking of her as the mass murderer of local legend to a very misunderstood character who may not be guilty of as many deaths as as have been alleged, Uh, if any. No one actually testified seeing Marianne administer any arsenic to any person. Medical witnesses contradicted each other in the matter of arsenic at the doctor's surgery where, uh, where a mistake could have been made. The times she lived in were times when death from illness was extremely common. I would argue she did not murder murder the Mowbrays, with the exception of Isabella, where there may be a reasonable doubt. With regards to her mother, this is too doubtful. It is very unlikely, but not impossible, that any of the Robinson children died at Mary's hands. It was hindsight that brought the accusations with George Ward, we again see a man who had bad medical advice, uh, had, uh, 
and uh, was very ill. His illness was the subject of great scrutiny by three doctors. There is also no substantial evidence that Marianne had any hand in the death of Margaret Cotton. We have to, uh, that was the, the wife of, of Mr. Cotton mm-hmm. before she married him. And we have to resist looking at her death in the light of Marianne's trial and try to reason on available evidence. Mm-hmm. In relation to Fred Cotton, Marianne certainly did not have involvement in the deaths of his wife and daughters. So I take that point, you know, you evidence, man, important evidence is key. Important. If you're going to hang someone. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) I suppose the world in which you have enough children that die of natural causes that you become a bit callous to death and just, uh, begin to murder. Right. That, you know what? Jaded. You're jaded. We could jaded. Yeah. Jaded to death. Well, yeah. I mean that, what's that word? Uh, desensitized uh or something. Hmm. That's a good one. We have we to remember that, that. you're you're right, Aubrey. It's like th- those were the times. Death was upon common. Yeah. E- yeah. Everyone. Mm-hmm. So are those two separate, jaded and and uh, desensitized, or is that one? No, thing? No, I think one thing. Uh, yeah, one thing. It's okay. Um, and you know, there's also the chance that it could have just been um accidental poisoning. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 14 to 13 times. (laughs) She's a really bad cook. She She needs to move the arsenic away from the salt. Salt. (laughs) Well, but not kidding. Okay, so this is again Martin Connolly that makes this point. With Frederick Sr. himself and the Cotton Boys who had died in West Auckland, we have difficult issues to face. No evidence regarding Frederick uh, was found because the body was never recovered. There was no doubt arsenic was found in the bodies of the Cotton Boys and also that of Joseph Natris. The question to ask was, how did it get there? Marianne admitted that she may well have administered the arsenic, but insisted that it was not willful or intentional, and stating that she and stated that she suspected that the arrow root bought from Thomas Riley was contaminated. So she kind of like threw one back at Mister Riley. <laughs> Um, okay. Some practitioners did use arsenic as an ingredient. Her lawyer was at the, at the trial, raised the issue of arsenic being around the house in Front Street because of the arsenic soap. There was, uh, there was the use of arsenic impregnant wall, green wallpaper. So the, uh, despite the issue of the green wallpaper already being a national scandal, it was even being raised in parliament, it was dismissed at the trial. So apparently there was this popular green wallpaper that was being used that had arsenic in it. Mm. But people Mm. already knew about it at this time. Hmm. But if she's not hiding getting the arsenic, and arsenic was sort of in everything then, and they had it in their systems, it doesn't necessarily follow that's how they died. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. 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 I feel like we're starting to get to like a, a, a place of debate. Yes, let's do it. Um, anything else we want to throw up? Because if not... Anything else? Who else do we think it could be to blame? I, I think, any of the I children? Do you want to put any of the children up on the board? <laughs> I mean, the husbands have to be to blame a little bit. But if there were less of them, that would be a stronger case. I know. <laughs> okay, well, well, let's just... We'll refrain from putting the victims up on the board for this Maybe time. Slightly, the patriarchy, because you, you listed single or uh unwed mothers is having to live in the the, the workhouse right so yes that, that was that the only seem... option patriarchy yeah 
Okay, this this feels like a really good list. Let's take a quick break and then start knocking things off the list. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all have stress and anxiety we carry around as we go about our everyday life. At The Alarmist, we know it's always better to say it out loud and talk it through. Whenever I stress about the sinking of the Titanic, I don't sit with those thoughts in a dark room. I turn on the lights and dive right into it. Therapy is a great place to get things off your chest and work through what's really going on. Maybe you can't stop spiraling or catastrophizing. I started therapy over 10 years ago and never looked back. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Heck, we sometimes change our minds and rethink the verdict at The Alarmist. And that's also okay when it comes to therapists. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Alarmist today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Alarmist. Okay, who is to blame for the deaths that surrounded Marianne Cotton? Is it Marianne Cotton? Getting away with it once. The power and availability of arsenic. Difficult divorce laws. Rise of life insurance industry. Natural causes, question mark? <laughs> Dated and desensitized to death. 
accidental poisoning or the big P, you know it, you love it, the patriarchy. <laughs> good list. Really good list. Solid. It's, it's, a more, it's a shorter list than we usually have. So mm-hmm. this should be easy or should this be harder? Well, we'll see. We shall see. I think off the bat, we can take difficult divorce laws off of the list because I think it was more uh, to do with insurance money. And right. and I also think that could fold into the patriarchy. So, hmm. so we're removing difficult divorce laws and patriarchy. Um, no, folding, no, not no, pa- no. Yeah, I see. Um, it in. Yeah, I feel like accidental poisoning is just too <laughs> yeah. silly. No. <laughs> I feel like natural causes is way more likely than accidental poisoning. <laughs> Yeah, once yeah once maybe yeah. not that many times yeah. the, the oopsie daisy theory gonna... <laughs> um, yeah, like you kill one kid you put the arsenic up in a, a safe yeah <laughs> oops oops shit i should really use that one again i should throw this i keep meaning to throw it keep out this in the kitchen but <laughs> that's just brutal uh, um natural causes I just, what are the odds that every child that she pretty much, I, I, I don't think any of, I think there was one child she had that survived. The one who went away with the, um, the, the husband who like left her. And I think that was the only, mm, yes. that was, was the George? only child. Yeah. George. Ever, all of them. Lucky George. Right. Jeez. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's rough. Um, boy, it's interesting to think about the rise of the life insurance industry. If you think about if she, I mean, she continually collected money, right? Mm -hmm. From these deaths. No, not continually. Just once. Here's the weird part. Like they didn't, the money wasn't a A lot. lot. Okay. Mm -hmm. It was like, you're, you're talking about like 35 pounds, which I'm sure at the money was like at at the time was more than 35 pounds now, but it, it still wasn't that much. Well, right. I mean, you know, it could also speak to the conditions they were living in. If it depends on, you know, it depends on how much money they have, I guess. But it I mean, I guess, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, it didn't seem she was targeting particularly wealthy men, but maybe that was also the class thing. Sure. Oh, yeah. What do we think here? I, really- I think we can take out arsenic itself. It's more Marianne. It's more <laughs> than, yes. than the, yes. the potency of arsenic. I mean, the availability right. certainly makes it easier for anyone who wants to utilize it, but you mm-hmm. can't really put the blame on the means itself. Right. And I right. think Deborah, when she comes on the show, um, hopefully for the aftermath episode, we'll maybe you know speak Shed to that a little light. bit more. Yeah. But. So we got to figure out who we're going to send to jail here and who we're going to give the big slap to. We've got Marianne Cotton still up on the board, uh, pro- possibly an alarmist first, where the murderer is still up on the board. <laughs> um, getting away with it once, so, that that idea. Yeah. I think we can take that off. Well, as much I was as- just going to say, actually, like, you know how many, I mean, my expertise being that I watched all of the show Manhunter. 
But uh, th- that show. in that sh- in that show, I'm sorry, Mind Hunter. Mind Hunter, Mind Hunter yeah. yes. <laughs> Man Hunter but is a very <laughs> cheeky, different show. Yeah, <laughs> that, that could be sexy too. <laughs> oh well, I've never seen. Actually, my expertise is only in Man Hunter, so I don't. I actually probably should. <laughs> okay, <comment> so <laughs> no, in Mind in Mind Hunter, you know, there's like or whatever, any kind of these psycho movies or serial killer movies they there's always that scene with the detective where he's like looks at his co-detective and he's like they're getting a taste for it he's you know what i mean Mm -hmm. or like Mm -hmm. you know they're always like always are really uh, nervous when the the one when they get away with it a couple times and they're like oh he he you know they like it Uh uh-huh so i think i think there's something to that yeah i don't know i was gonna say i feel like kind of getting off on killing is more of a male thing though Mm. She maintained innocence too. I I think it's important to remember that she never admitted to it mm-hmm. uh, up until her hanging. Which fun fact, um, I I should I'll just add this that it was a bungled execution by oh, a notoriously uh, I guess like clumsy executioner. And what happened was he didn't position the trap door high enough, so when they hung her, it did not break her neck. Oh, and God. apparently he had to push down on her shoulders and it took three minutes for oh. her to strangle, basically. Oh, goodness. Oh, my God. Can you imagine uh, someone just nope. like like nope. pushing no. down on you? <laughs> nope. No. An executioner where you're like, I'm going to have to like help this along. It's so. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. I, I, we, we've come across this recently, like bad executioners. We also came yeah, across this right. in Mary Queen of Scots. Yeah. It's like you have one job, like get that one right. Mm, right. Uh, or, mm-hmm. or just don't do it at all. Quit. Move Yes. Yes. So this job is not for you. <laughs> so, okay. We, 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 we got to make a decision here. We've got okay. Marianne Cotton. I think we can take away getting away with it once. Okay. Okay. Um, the the insurance industry, the rise in, uh, of the life insurance industry. Well, I think to your point that she wasn't making a lot of money or only collected insurance. But once. that was, I do feel like that was the main, her main draw. Right. Um, Initially, th- wasn't she yeah. doing sort of okay in the marriage? Like she wasn't destitute, you know. So did she need the the money? If she'd sort of stayed in the marriage, she would have probably had more. That's an go. interesting point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, you got to take that off. It just okay. couldn't have been okay. about... It was just like, if it was a business strategy, it was a really bad business right. strategy. Like, blame her for being you a know, bad business person. But uh, This is all speculation, but this is something we did not put up on the board. But perhaps untreated, like, mental illness. Sure, yes. yeah, I was just going to talk say. about that. Because I feel like even with the uh, the insurance industry, it's like maybe it's not about the money, but more about like how she cheated the system, how she got away with getting money that she shouldn't have got, just like she killed these kids that she shouldn't have killed, which is yeah. a psychosis thing, right? Oh, you can't, you yeah, I yeah. Mean, I don't know how if she is guilty of these murders, no. how could she could be balanced in you know chemically in her head? So yeah. got it's got to be something going on there. So yeah. here's where I, here's where I'm at. I think we do send Marianne Cotton to the alarmist jail, and I think we slap untreated mental illness, or do we do vice versa? Mm. Well, 
actually, I mean, we this is all speculation, right? So we can't prove that she had untreated mental right. illness. Right. So but we can slap I, it. But we can slap it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think in this case, it's got to be a, a, a factor. I mean, when yeah. you just look at the behavior and the history of the, you know, her history there, I don't know. And I do think that patriarchy does play into it. But right. and, and, I also and, think that w- the the killing of the children, to, if, right. if you know what I mean, well, there's more there. Well, there yeah. Mental health at that time, too. I mean, things like postpartum depression. Yes. She could have suffered from that. And yes. no one true. I think that's true. And to me, the, the, the desensitization to death and the patriarchy could fold into this untreated mental health issues mm-hmm. because i mean they were contributing factors to mm-hmm. you know the the gaslighting and all the yeah and, and, and again all of this or all that Oppression. we've learned mm-hmm. yeah yeah all that we've learned about how um these different things affect people well i'm gonna call it okay untreated mental illness you're getting the big slap mary ann cotton you're going to the alarmist jail there you have it. There Don't have ever it. say we've never sent us a, a murderer to the alarmist jail. Mm-hmm. Have you ever? We've sent very few. We have. <laughs> but we, we have. have. We have. But when, recently when comes- we did. Recently we did because we, we had the discussion of instead of going big, we wanted to be get some more like specific individuals in the jail. Because mm-hmm. we have a lot of concepts floating around in the alarmist jail. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. And they're harder to keep track of. Um, (laughs) They can get out of their cages very easily. They can really, really easily get out of the. Yeah. 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 We just don't have the funding for that kind of prison anymore. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, But Aubrey, I mean, thank you so much for joining us today and helping us get to the bottom of who's to blame for the murders of Marianne Cotton. Yeah, this was super, super fun. And I just look forward to you just sinking your teeth mm-hmm. into this. This would be great for really you. Can't wait to watch role. it. Yeah. 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 I'll, I'll thank you in my Oscar speech. There you go. <laughs> okay. No backsies. You have to. You have to do it now. <laughs> and just a reminder to everybody out there: make sure you go through your uh, condiment section and just make sure the arsenic is no, not near the salt. Yes. Great. PSA. Keep that arsenic (laughs) under the sink or in the bathroom or something. Great. After the murders, Marianne Cotton was buried on the grounds of the prison where she died, next to two other people who had been hanged years prior. Her youngest child, Margaret Edith Quickmanning Cotton, whom she had given birth to while awaiting trial, was adopted after her death. In June of 1886, Marianne achieved a certain legendary status when her likeness was exhibited in Madame Tussaud's Chamber of Horrors. Vote for who you think is to blame by going to thealarmistpodcast.com. Follow us at the alarmist the on twitter at the alarmist podcast on instagram or email us at the alarmist podcast at gmail.com tune in next week we'll be discussing the andes flight disaster that was portrayed in the movie alive
powered by ACAST. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.